Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you. This fourth Sunday in Advent from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The movie The Empire Strikes Back is part of the original Star Wars trilogy and is one of the greatest cinematic sagas of all time. It was originally released in 1980 and still has one of the most famous and surprising plot twists you'll ever find. While having a lightsaber duel, the evil Darth Vader tries to convince the protagonist of the movie, Luke Skywalker, into joining him on the dark side. And he says to him, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Luke responds, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. And then the line that is so well known and yet so often misquoted, Darth Vader says, no, I am your father. It was so stunning, a revelation at the time, that people couldn't believe the connection between the main villain in the Star Wars movies and the hero. And of course, that connection then plays a, a role and a part in the developing Star Wars story. This surprise is still considered one of the greatest plot twists in movie history. And yet... It has become such common knowledge over the past 40 years that it's hard to watch this movie now and feel any of that original shock or wonder. The time that has passed and the familiarity with this movie can create a sense of numbness to this once surprising news. Well... Star Wars is just a movie, a, a great movie, in my opinion, anyway, <laughs> but a movie just nonetheless. But this idea of shocking surprises isn't only true for fictional tales like Star Wars. It's also true in real life, in our lives, in the course of history, and also in the history of God's people from Scripture. In fact, it's what we hear today in our Old Testament reading from Micah. Now consider Micah's day for just a moment. This was, again, about 700 years before Jesus was born. And Israel was split into two kingdoms, the, the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. And they were about to witness the world's greatest superpower at the time, the Assyrian Empire, stream out of the capital of Nineveh and into the northern kingdom of Israel and just demolish it. The Assyrians were like the evil empire in Star Wars, but without any of the redeeming qualities whatsoever. They are often considered the most violent, the most ruthless, the most bloodthirsty nation in history. And the northern kingdom of Israel never stood a chance. Which left the southern kingdom of Judah including the capital of Jerusalem, looking north across their border at an Assyrian empire and army that was now deciding to turn towards them, they were thinking, what hope do we possibly have? Well, that's the moment that Micah steps in. And Micah tells Judah that God will deliver them from this threat, even though they will feel the weight of the Assyrian force invading and the city of Jerusalem will come under siege. But Micah prophesied that they would be saved by God himself. And they were. 
An angel of the Lord at night struck down a hundred and eighty-five thousand, hundred and eighty-five thousand Assyrian soldiers, without the people of Jerusalem having to raise one single weapon. Well, that's not the only thing that Micah tells them. He also has some sobering news for them. And he tells them that there is a time coming, which ended up being about 200 years later, when Judah would not be miraculously saved by God, but instead that they would endure the judgment of God for all their idolatry and sin, this time at the hands of the next world superpower, the Babylonians. And all that would remain of Judah would be a small remnant. And it's in this context that Micah then delivers the message that we heard today in our Old Testament reading. You see, the people were on one hand relieved that they were going to be saved from the Assyrians, who seemed very scary. But on the other hand, they were concerned that their time in world history was coming to an end. So they wondered if they had a future, if their children had a future, if their kingdom had a future, if their king had a future. But that's when Micah delivers what would have been the most shocking and surprising plot twist for Judah. He tells them that a new David was coming to them, but but not from the ruins of royal Jerusalem, as would be expected, but rather from a place that no one expected, from a sleepy little town of Bethlehem, from King David's Hometown, Bethlehem Ephrathah, who was too little to even be considered a significant clan in the tribe of Judah, from that little town of Bethlehem would come this new ruler, this new David, the promised Savior and Messiah. I want you to listen again to these words, and, and while you do, I want you to put yourself in Judah's shoes as all of those things are happening to you, and think about the hope that it would have given you. Micah said, Therefore God shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he, the ruler, shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. God was promising them that he wasn't going to forget Judah, but that he was going to deliver them. And this was a surprising plot twist indeed. But let's bring it forward to today. It's an interesting history lesson, Pastor, but what does this have to do with me? Well, we do wonder, is this hope described in the pages of Micah a hope that has long run its course? Is it a long ago belief that now sits on the bookshelf of history, only helpful in giving insight into what people used to believe? In other words, has the time that has passed And the familiarity of this promise created a sense of numbness in us to this once surprising news. Well, I'll ask you today to listen with new ears to this passage, because there's an even bigger surprise contained within it. Micah again said, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, 
who are too little to be considered among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Did you catch that? Not only is the surprise that the coming ruler, the coming savior, would be from Bethlehem, but that this ruler, who will be acting on behalf of God himself, and his coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now, coming forth is a military term. The Assyrians were coming forth from Nineveh to Israel, and the Babylonians would come forth from Babylon to Judah. And in response to all of that, God was going to have his ruler come forth from Bethlehem. But not just from Bethlehem. His ruler would be from of old, from ancient days. Those phrases are used specifically throughout the Bible to talk about God and his continuous action on behalf of his people. They indicate that the Messiah wouldn't only be a human who would spring up new and unexpected, but that God's Messiah would be God himself, who had been working throughout history from ancient days, from the beginning, according to his purposes. God's Messiah was coming from eternity, fulfilling God's ancient plan. And that was a plot twist no one saw coming. And we know that it came true when a virgin named Mary conceived and bore a child. And because of a census that was ordered by Caesar Augustus, they traveled to Bethlehem, the hometown of David, where she gave birth to a son. And the angel announced to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ, Christ the Lord, Christ who is God. It's what we'll celebrate at the end of this coming week, that in a stunning turn of events, God decided to take on human flesh, becoming one of us, coming forth from ancient days into our day in order to be our ruler, our savior, our Messiah, who was promised so long ago. God, the son who has existed from eternity, who is begotten, not made, was born as a human so that he could save us from sin and death by his own death on the cross. And so by bring us peace and life by his resurrection from the grave. And that's what makes this whole week and this whole season of Christmas so important. It's a celebration of, of God's fantastic plot twist in the fabric of human history, which comes to us and startles us and surprises us with the good news that Jesus is, in fact, God's own son and that he is born. But let me ask you something else. Does this news startle you or surprise you any longer? After all, Christ was born 2,000 years ago, and if you think of your age right now, that's the number of times that you've celebrated all of this before. It's like the well-known plot twist of a 40-year-old movie. So has the time that has passed and your familiarity with the Christmas story created a sense of numbness to this once surprising news? Are there any more surprises left? When we look around this world, 
and we see plenty of surprises, but unfortunately they're not always the good kind. Nations still rage, armies still war, diseases still spread, famines still persist, natural disasters still occur. Although we are preparing once again to celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ, we may begin to think that since that first Christmas over 2,000 years ago, not much seems to have changed. After all, we are still sinners. And people still suffer the effects of sin. The world is still fallen and we still encounter the wages of our sin, which will one day be our death. The temptation for us today, after hearing God's prophecy and promise through Micah, is to think that God, who came to us once in the flesh, doesn't seem to be making that much difference anymore. Is this world the way it is? What Micah had in mind when he said that God's people shall dwell secure and that he shall be their peace. Because things may not always seem so secure today and times may not seem that peaceful. Well, it's precisely because of that, because of how tumultuous this world is right now, that perhaps now more than ever, we are prepared to hear God's good news with new ears. And what we realize is that we do. We, we live in a tension between two truths. On one hand, we know that Christ has come and has accomplished everything for us by, uh, by his cross and his resurrection, fulfilling every Old Testament promise there was of the Messiah. And yet we also know, on the other hand, that we are waiting for one last significant event, one more plot twist that God has promised to us will happen, the day when Jesus returns again. And as Christians, we live between both of those moments, Christ's first advent and Christ's second advent. You see, when Jesus completed his work here on earth 2,000 years ago as our Savior and Messiah, he promised that he will be back one day to fully reveal all that he has accomplished for us and continues to accomplish on our behalf. He will come as both judge of the living and the dead. He will resurrect and gather his remnant, those of us who have been brought into his kingdom by baptism and by faith, providing for us eternal life that will never again be blemished by our sin, by disease, or by death. And Jesus will remake and restore all of creation, making the work of his Father's hands perfect once again. One of the communion hymns that we're going to be singing today, What Hope and Eden Prophesied, speaks about this new creation, this new Eden, that we are waiting for. And the hymn ends with this prayer that we can continuously pray, not only during Advent, not only during Christmas, but for our entire lives. It says, come, Jesus, come. Messiah, Lord, lost paradise restore. Lead past the angel's flaming sword. Come open heaven's door. It reminds us that this prayer is going to be answered one day soon, even if we can't fully see it right now. And it is a certainty that we will see it with our own eyes. 
The one who faithfully came from heaven to Bethlehem to save the world is also coming back one day to restore it. And that's why we can listen to Micah's words today and know that they hold a special promise for us as well. Because we are God's people and we are waiting for him to fulfill his ancient promise. And we know that God has a pretty good track record with fulfilling promises. In fact, it's a perfect record. 700 years before Christ was born, he told his people that he would enter our world from the ancient days. And that's what he did. And then Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, promises that he is coming again one day soon. And while we wait for that day, the time that passes and our familiarity with his story doesn't create within us a numbness to this surprising news. No, because of the faith we have been given and the working of the Holy Spirit within us, this Christmas good news brings us again hope and security and peace over and over again. This isn't just another story. This is the greatest story, the history of God and his people. And because of Jesus, it is your story as well. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.